to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. Good Tuesday morning to you. Yes, it's a Tuesday morning, January 11th. We're having a few technical difficulties getting Ray Pritchard on board. Um, he's he's ta- he's hard to get on on board sometimes, you know. But uh, we're working to get that fixed. We also want to welcome Chris Woodward, news reporter for American yes. Family News. Happy Good. Wednesday to our listeners in Australia. Yeah. Yes. Good. Good thinking. You know, I do we, what I can. We got. We got. Uh, it's three o five a.m. in Canberra, which I'm sure I just uh, mispronounced. Canberra. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. It's down under. Who cares? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, it, uh, lots of stuff going on. Um, it's it's a cold week here. It's uh, going to be cold up north. Oh, Boston. Yeah. You know, I was talking it, about this. What, a, a high of 12 today? Yes. And that's not Celsius. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's Fahrenheit. And that's the high, 12, 12 degrees. My. Uh, it's it, actually the cold, one of the coldest, uh, that whole area of the country, the Northeast, mm-hmm. Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts. It's one of the coldest on record right now. Yeah. So we plan to get a hold of all the climate change people today. Yes. And interview them. Yes. What's going on? That's right. Maybe you guys need to up your carbon footprint a little bit. Yeah. That's right. Because it, since since the climate is so responsive to human beings, yeah, maybe we can, uh, you know, turn the heat up a little bit up there in in New England. I bet you Al Gore is on his jet away from there today, uh, yeah. in, or in one of his four or five houses that That's he's right. got. All right. Well, we do want to welcome uh, to the program, finally, uh, the scintillating Dr. Ray Pritchard. Ray, good morning to you. Good morning. How how are you doing, Ed? Hey, doing doing well. What's, uh, now we, we do try to, you know, just get some of the weather things out of the way. What's, what's it like uh, in Kansas City? It's, uh, you know, today is going to be 55 degrees and blue skies, but speaking of the weather, I saw we got an Alberta Clipper coming in this weekend. It's going to going to come out of Alberta into the Great Plains. That's a great and, baseball team. Yeah, it is. And, <laughs> the Alberta Clippers. Uh, the Alberta Clippers. Low A, but still fun to watch. Listen, as the resident Canadian, yeah, <laughs> uh, Alberta Clipper, I've heard of it before, but need I remind people, the Alberta Clipper originates in Alaska. Oh yes, that's right. So let's, let's, to be clear, let's let's, let's, uh, let's join the woke crowd and blame the United States hey. for everything. The Hawaiian pizza was invented in Canada. Is that right? It was. Mm-hmm. So so putting pineapple on pizza yeah. that was invented by Canadians supposedly. I knew that, there was, that explains I, so that much. Explains <laughs> so much. Now I don't. Uh, I really don't pay much attention to the weather. My wife's the eagle eye on that. So, uh, uh, Ray, we got more cold weather coming. Oh yes. Massive cold uh, coming in this weekend through South Dakota, Missouri, brushing Kansas city, but heading down toward, toward Kentucky and Tennessee and Atlanta, they say with some snow and rain and ice and all that fun stuff. Oh man. I'm getting like Tim Wildman. I used to like cold weather. Because I just like sweater sweaters and sweatshirts and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. the older I get, the less I like it. 
Um, all right, I, I, I can I can talk weather for a while, just like I can about sports. But a, but a Alberta Clipper is different than a Winter Vortex, right? Because that remember they used to call the, these things Winter Vortexes, right? Yeah. Right. There are all kinds of meteorological names for these things. Yeah, it, it's cold weather. Yeah, cold. Know? That's right. It's January and it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> no shocker there. All yeah. right, uh, Chris. You got some uh, news for us? Yes. Besides the weather? Well, I think we'll be talking about this uh, throughout the hour, but I do want to bring it to people's attention today because uh, President Joe Biden is traveling to Georgia today to, among other things, talk up the need for voting reform. You know, uh, Biden and many other uh, Democrats uh, seem to think that we need to basically federalize our elections and make everything the same so that way states don't continue to have the authority and powers given to them by the Constitution to make their own voting laws. So uh, Biden is going to be going to Georgia, a state where he narrowly won in 2020 against Donald Trump. I think he won by less than 12,000 votes, according to news reports. Um, And so he's going to be there. But what's very interesting is uh, someone that's not scheduled to be there today is Stacey Abrams, which is running for governor again and has talked about how she was, and I'm using air quotes, cheated in the election against uh, Governor Brian Kemp and called for voting reforms, but she's not going to be there with the president who is pushing the very things that she's been trying to get done for a couple of years now. Now, I I checked, uh, since we discussed this in our story meeting earlier today, I checked around on this story and I still cannot find, Chris, I'm asking if you have, I still cannot find an explanation for why she will miss the president's visit. Yeah, I, uh, it's it's scheduling something. I, yeah, she said it was uh, her campaign said it was due to scheduling conflicts, and Republicans logically were quick to pounce on that, saying it's because Biden is toxic and she doesn't want to be in the same place as him. But um, again, she's put you know he's going to be talking about and pushing for the very thing that she's been calling for. So it is odd. Uh, to say the least, that she's not going to be standing next to the president of the United States. And Fred, it's what's what makes this so bizarre, so odd, is this is her issue. Yes, the the, the voting, changing the voting law. So you would expect that she she would go out of her way. You would to think. be on stage with the president and the vice president, especially where apparently, according to the Associated Press, uh, in his uh, speeches today. He's going to basically uh, endorse the idea of getting rid of the filibuster, that 60-vote requirement to bring legislation forward in the Senate. And, uh, and so he's, that's something that many people say Joe Biden, having spent years in the Senate, would be reluctant to change the Senate rules, especially if you were listening to our program yesterday. Democrats, uh, when they were in the minority, they were all for uh, that filibuster. Uh, they want to keep that 60-vote margin in place so that you stall the legislation of the majority party. But uh, anyway, uh, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure in the mainstream media, a lot of pressure from some Democrats uh, for Joe Biden to push that. But I was we were just talking before we went on the air. Joe Manchin was interviewed in the last 24 hours, Democrat senator from West Virginia. He is definitely not going to vote in favor of changing the Senate rules. So with a 50-50 split in the Senate right now between the Dems and the Republicans, uh, that means it's a dead issue. We also hear there's other senators that would be reluctant to vote to change the rules. Uh, Democrat Senator Kelly from Arizona, uh, Tester from Montana, and Cinema also, uh, yeah. apparently. So I, I don't think, and conservatives, 
are breathing a sigh of relief that that change would not occur. Well, it's a, it's it would be a bad and dangerous bill to pass. Um, Ray, I, I've said on this program before, I I don't like the filibuster myself. Uh, I my opinion has been, I think Tim shares it. We we probably all have similar opinions on this, but I'll speak for myself. I feel like if you're going to have a filibuster, it should be a real filibuster, just like the movie Mr. Smith you know, goes to Washington. Right. If right. you're going to call for filibuster, you have to speak for 20, you know, you got to just continue to speak. You hold up the chamber, you draw attention. I think that's what the filibuster was supposed to be for. You draw attention to the issue. So the American people can let their senators know, but I don't, I don't like the filibuster because as polarized as our country has been anymore, it's just used by the minority party to say, well, we're not doing anything on uh, on anything proposed by the opposition party. Maybe that's a good thing. A lot of people don't want Congress doing anything anyway. But, Ray, what, what do you think about the filibuster? Well, number one, back to Stacey Abrams just for a moment. This is it's unbelievable. If the president from your party comes to your state and you are an elected senator, same party, your state, you show up for him, right? right. You show up. You don't say something like schedule conflicts. She's embarrassed. She doesn't want to be around Joe Biden. He is toxic. He's radioactive. Not that she's a whole lot better in any of those categories. But so that's obviously a sham thing. It's, it's kind of surprising to me that she won't be there. But on the bigger question of the filibuster, um, I will agree at least in part with what you said. I'm undecided on the on the bigger question, but I do like the scenes of the guys who stand up in the old days, right. they would go for 14 hours, 16 hours, 18 hours, 24 hours, nonstop speechifying around the clock. There's a certain amount of American political theater that we have lost today. And I would kind of like to go back to that. So yes, if we're going to have a filibuster, make them stand up there and talk. Yeah. And because then, now yeah. all they basically do is declare it's a filibuster and we're just not going to vote on it. And there's no cost for it. There's no political cost right. for, for calling for a filibuster where there used to be. Pressure, no pressure physical, would build. Yeah. You know, there's no physical cost of standing up there for six hours or eight hours and reading the phone book or the nursery rhymes. <laughs> or you know, Some of those guys did amazing things yes. back in the day, and we've completely lost that. I wouldn't mind bringing that back. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to uh, welcome uh, one of our usual frequent guests here on today's issues. Dr. Frank Turek, host of Crass Cross Crass. <laughs> that was totally accidental. Cross examined heard Saturday at nine AM Central and Sunday at four PM Central Time on American Family Radio. Uh Frank, uh my apologies, sir. For renaming you've your always, show. You've always been kind of crass, Ed, so <laughs> just, it fits. Crass examined. That, that's, <laughs> that, that just, I don't know, somehow just was. Uh, that's kind of what we do. We, <laughs> we, we do examine the crass and point out that it shouldn't be this way. But. Yes, that's good save, oh. good save. <laughs> just All right. popped right out of there, didn't uh, you? You're, you're well known for apologetics. <laughs> At least in my house. Yes, uh, I apologize there. What do you want to talk about today? Well, uh, there's been a recent discovery. Uh, in fact, this just came out yesterday in the uh, major media, if it want to call it major media, the Biblical Archaeological Society. Isn't that major media? Sure. Anyway, 
Uh, clay seals give clues to wealth of biblical Jerusalem. Uh, it appears that uh, if you excavate in the city of David, and the city of David, for those of you that have been to Israel who are listening right now, is that 12-acre little almost peninsula that juts off of the southern wall of the current city of Jerusalem, the old city. That was Jerusalem in David's day, just south of the Temple Mount, just outside the wall, that little area to the south, the city of David. They've discovered so many little clay seals, they call them bulia, that um, were used in Solomon's temple. So prior to the Babylonians coming down and destroying uh, the uh, city of Jerusalem, the city of David at that time in 586 B.C., people there were, of course, conducting business. And they've discovered so many of these little clay seals that relate to characters in the Old Testament. For example, they think they've discovered the seal of even King Hezekiah. Wow. They've, they think they may have discovered the seal of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, they... Also, this is a real interesting one, Ed. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the article, but they think they found... Well, let's just do this for a second. You, you guys have heard of the Bible, right? Yes, <laughs> I, I have heard of it. Well, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 20 for a second. This is really interesting. Jer in Jeremiah chapter 20, uh, you know, Jeremiah is preaching just prior to the Babylonians coming in and destroying Judah and destroying the temple and taking... Uh, the exiles into Babylon. And Jeremiah is, of course, warning all these people that this is going to happen. You guys have sinned. You're going to be judged. Well, there are people in the government who don't really like this. And one of them is a priest. And we read in Jeremiah 20, when the priest, Pashur, son of Immer, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin and the Lord's temple. The next day, when Pashur released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, the Lord's name for you is not Pashur, but Tur on every side. For this is what the Lord says, I will make you a Tur to yourself and to all your friends. With your own eyes, you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I will give all Judah into the hands of the king of Babylon, who will carry them away to Babylon or put them to the sword. I will deliver all the wealth of this city into the hands of, its, of their enemies, all its products, all its valuables, and the treasures of the kings of Judah. I will take it away as plunder and carry it off to Babylon. And you, Pashur... And all who live in your house will go into exile in Babylon. There you will die and be buried. You and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. Wow. Yikes. Your best life now. <laughs> right here. <laughs> this is what the Bible preaches, right? You can have your best life now. So anyway, Tongue this guy, <laughs> yeah, this priest, Pashur, is the son of Immer. Well, they recently discovered a clay seal from what appears to be this guy's brother. His name is, if I pronounce it right, 
His Eliyahu, son of Immer. That was perfect. Yes, His Eliyahu, <laughs> son of Immer. They found this guy's clay seal in uh, debris, either from the Temple Mount or the city of David. Uh, so, hey Frank, this, but before you go yeah. any further, so yeah. there may be some people listening or going, "Why do you keep talking about clay seals?" Explain what that means. Well, a clay seal is the way, if you wanted to send correspondence to somebody, uh, you would uh, write it down on a on a, uh, a a scroll of some kind or whatever writing material they had, and you'd roll it up, and or you would take take the seal in clay, which had your name on it and some image of some kind, and press the clay with that seal. So the person that received the message would know it came from you. It was like it was a, a form of identification. Yeah, it's like a signature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, except- so this is so this is this is incredibly important. Now, I, I have I, I've always uh, when I was uh, pastoring a, a church uh, near uh, Tupelo. Uh, was in, it called First Crass Church of Tupelo? <laughs> no, no, it was not. First Crass. Not. Okay. We we were way down the list of crass. I mean, right, there, there were right. others. But I, I would when people would get concerned, and a lot of Christians are worried when science says this or this historian says this about the Bible. There's uh-huh. no such thing as King David. That's just made up. All those kind of things. I would always encourage them, and I would say, first of all. You believe the Bible because you believe it's God's Word. You don't have to have historians or archaeologists uh, back up the case of the Bible. But I would always say you can, be, you can rest assured that there will be discoveries in the decades, and if we have time before the Lord returns, centuries to come, whatever, that will show the truth. And so it, 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 talk to some of our folks who are listening, and, and explain what you think about why these kinds of things are, are important. The Bible's most important, but why are these kinds of um, uh, these kinds of discoveries important for the church and for unbelievers? I think they corroborate that certain people and even certain events in the Old Testament actually took place, and even in the New Testament. There's obviously archaeology for the New Testament as well. Uh, you can't corroborate every event in the Bible or every event from history, for that matter, through archaeology. But when you can, it just adds further credibility that what you're reading in the New Testament and Old Testament documents is not some fanciful myth that has just been invented by ancient people. They're actually writing about real people and real events. And so when you find names in the dirt of obscure people in the Old Testament and even some prominent people like King Hezekiah or the prophet Isaiah, you go, well, that's exactly what we'd expect to find if this really happened. You know, when Sennacherib came down to take out Jerusalem, he took out so many of the cities. This is in about 701 B.C. He took out many of the cities of, uh, he comes from Assyria, by the way, uh, many of the cities in Jerusalem, including uh, or in uh, in Judah, I should say, including Lachish, and then he tries to come over and he tries to to take out Jerusalem. And there is something called the Taylor Prism, which you can of course see in the British Museum, because the Brits went to the the Middle East and and excavated all this stuff and then took it back to London. 
Anyway, in this Taylor prism, it says that I, Sennacherib, have Hezekiah caged like a bird in the city of Jerusalem. Now, you know, Hezekiah is the one that built Hezekiah's tunnel in order to bring water from outside the city walls to inside the city walls. So if there ever was a siege, they could survive it by having water inside the city walls. It, it's interesting that Sennacherib says he has Hezekiah caged like a bird. And this, by the way, I think this was found in Iraq, this, this Taylor prism many years ago. It doesn't say that he took Jerusalem. Why? Because he didn't. We know that the Lord intervened and killed 180-something thousand of his men. Mm-hmm. And Sennacherib goes back to Assyria, and he is later killed by his two sons. And if you go and look at the reliefs which were found, I believe they were found in Babylon, but of course brought to the British Museum in London, you will see the reliefs of Sennacherib who took, tried to take so many of these cities and ultimately tried to take Jerusalem but failed. You will see that his face is etched out, is scratched out on these reliefs. Why? Well, think about this. If you were parents and you sent your son in the army to go down to, to Jerusalem and take out Jerusalem, and your son didn't come back and 180-something thousand of your other neighbor's sons didn't come back, would you be real happy with Sennacherib? <laughs> no, of course not. So they wanted to etch him from their memory. His own sons killed him, and then they scratched his face out of the, the great victory relief that they had drawn about the, his previous battles. And that, of course, was all taken to the British Museum in London, and you can see it all there. So this is, this is history that has been recorded not by Israel. This is history recorded by other nations around Israel. Right. Good, this right. Is, these events really hurt, happened. Well, Frank, just on that very point, as we're, we're coming to the end here, I, I want you to bring us down to the bottom line. When, I, when our, I mean, our listeners, and certainly include myself here, don't get into archaeology at any professional level, but you're saying it has tended to confirm the Bible. For the average Christian, whoever that person is, when a Christian picks up the Bible to read the Old or New Testament, can they be confident that it is true? and that what is written there really happened. Yes, of course. And these archaeological discoveries further corroborate that. They don't prove it alone, but they further corroborate it. And if you want to get one little book on the topic, uh, Titus Kennedy, who is an archaeologist with the Discovery Institute, has written a book called Unearthing the Bible, 101 Archaeological Discoveries that Bring the Bible to Life. And for people that listen to the broadcast here on American Family Radio Network that we do on uh, Saturdays, uh, if you go back to the podcast version of it, the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast, go back a couple of years and just look up Titus Kennedy. You can hear the uh, the podcast that we've done with him on it. So, yes, there's so much archaeology out there that my co-author, Dr. Norman Geiser, used to say, every time a spade goes into the ground, a liberal gets converted. <laughs> Good. I like it. Hey, uh, Frank, what, what you got cooking this uh, weekend? You... Uh, have any uh, firm plans for your show? 
Something exciting. I don't know what it'll be, Ed. We're going to do something <laughs> crass. How about that? Something crass. At uh, crassexamined.org. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cross-examined, folks. Frank's not going to let me forget that. <laughs> Dr. Frank Turek has been our guest, host of Cross-Examined. Heard Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time and Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. You can, as he mentioned... As uh, Dr. Frank uh, mentioned, go get the podcast of some of these previous shows. You won't regret it. He has a great program. Frank, thanks for being on with us. God bless you guys. Happy New Year. See you. All right, folks. We will uh, take a short break, a short crass break, and then we will be back with Sandy Rios. You heard that right. Dear One Million Moms, I've always thought that maybe your organization was making a mountain out of a molehill. But today, I cannot believe what I just saw on my TV. Concerned about the trash flowing into your home through today's media that simply will not censor itself? Make your voice heard. If you see trash in the media, tell us. Use the Submit Trash button at 1millionmoms.com. That's 1millionmoms.com. And thanks. When this mom ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, Julia didn't know what to do or who to talk to. I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Julia was referred to a pre-born center where she was counseled and supported with the strength she needed to choose life. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're going to get through it, and it's going to be okay. Preborn centers provide hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the gospel in action to moms like Julia. Will you join with Preborn and American Family Radio this week as we rescue 3,000 babies? One ultrasound session costs $28, and $140 will sponsor five ultrasounds. Any gift will help. Call now at 877-616-2396 or visit AFR.net. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stearns. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. A new law goes into effect in Canada threatening to criminalize Christianity. That's according to preachers who've already been sent to jail for keeping their churches open during the pandemic. The new law bans conversion therapy, but it's so broad that it defines biblical marriage and sexuality as a myth. And it can be used against pastors, parents, and counselors who either speak out against homosexuality or transgenderism or who counsel a person who adheres to a biblical lifestyle. Anybody who violates the law could face up to five years in prison. In response, hundreds of Canadian preachers plan to stage an act of civil disobedience by preaching about God's design for marriage and sexuality on January the 16th, something of a pulpit protest. By the way, you got to check out my latest book, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. You can get a copy at your favorite bookstore or online at ToddSterns.com. In him, we were also chosen as God's own 
having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything by the counsel of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of his glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back, folks. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. I am joined by Fred Jackson and the scintillating Dr. Ray Pritchard. Chris Woodward, and now we are blessed to have with us Sandy Rios, Director of Governmental Affairs for AFA. She's also host of Sandy Rios in the Morning. Many of our listeners listen to her program that is heard weekdays at 7 a.m. Central Time here on American Family Radio. Sandy, welcome back. Good morning, Ed. Great to be back. To hear your voice. Oh, well, that's, that goes without saying, but I appreciate it when people say it, you know, that, that's that voice, that melodic voice that's just, just like, just like honey, you know, the voice of it's, authority. Just, it's just like honey in your ears, right? <laughs> Drips, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of, kind of gross. That's, that's, that's the way my, that's the way my family describes it anyway, but, uh, all right, well, we want to get right to it, Sandy. We want to talk about, uh, insurrection chris uh what is what's uh on the plate we're gonna we're gonna throw a fastball down the middle for sandy yes there is an effort by democrats to prevent uh people they say were involved in the january 6th insurrection last year they want to prevent them from being able to run for re-election and they have set their eyes on what is what amounts to be their first target that being uh representative madison cawthorn from North Carolina. Sandy, what do you think about this effort? <laughs> How's oh, that I think for a we need fastball? a laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a laugh track, except the trouble is, you know, madness reigns. And so uh, who knows uh, if they're going to prevail on this. Now, the thing of it is, now we kind of more fully understand why they pulled out the word insurrection and have been saying it over and over and over again, insurrection, the insurrection, the insurrection. It was an insurrection. They said it immediately because they had a plan, I think. A plan that we didn't see until now, and that is that back in, what, 1868, uh, there was some sort of a law passed uh, that people who uh, were part of the Confederacy could not run for public office. Again, of course, the the Civil War, 750,000 people died. They established a president, a cabinet. They went to war. People were killed. I believe that was an insurrection. Uh, but even the FBI and the Justice Department, with all of their investigating, with the 750-some people they've arrested and harassed, many of them, they can't find anyone they can charge with insurrection. Misdemeanors, uh, parading, destruction of property, like under like a couple of hundred dollars. Uh, these are the serious offenses of these insurrectionists. Uh, no one killed in spite of the lies that Joe Biden told and Nancy Pelosi on the commemoration of January 6th, except for Ashley Babbitt. So there was no insurrection. But this is all about them repeating it over and over and over and over again so that they can fool the public, so that they can actually pull this out. Uh, they're trying to disqualify something like 120 Republicans. I think Madison Cawthorn is just the first person to... Uh, actually have it filed against him. Right now, it's just been talk. Or before this, it's just been talk. 
Well, and so this is from the 14th Amendment, and my understanding is uh, one of the sections, Section 3, I think, has uh, a, a disqualification. It disqualifies a person from serving uh, in a state or federal office if that person has engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States. Now, as you said, this was clearly uh, written to prevent people who actually took up arms in an attempt to, uh, in that case, divide the nation or separate from the nation and destroy the union. Um, and please, folks, don't email. I don't want to get into a bunch of discussions about the Civil War. Okay, but that's the historical context. And it seems to me, uh, Sandy, that you're exactly right, that this, the use of this word insurrection, which always struck me as odd, that that would be the word that was chosen rather than riot or, you know, whatever they, they might have chosen. It always struck me as odd. But now I see not only against members of Congress, Republicans, but also President Trump, right? This is this is to try to prohibit him, disqualify former President Donald Trump from ever running again. Yes, it's aimed at Donald Trump. It's aimed at his supporters, too, by the way, and certainly Congress. And, you know, just to give an idea of how ridiculous and why the laugh track under normal circumstances would be in order, Madison Cawthorn's uh, big insurrection move was to speak <laughs> at right. the rally yes. in D.C. for Donald Trump. Yeah. And he, he said that... Um, he talked about election fraud, and you know what? That's 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 the stuff worthy of insurrection. I mean, we're it is just bizarre. We've always look. I've been in D.C. for years. It is a town of protests. Yeah. You can't move, you know, two feet without finding someone with a sign around their neck, you know, protesting someone or something. There are strong feelings, and they are expressed in the park right in front of the White House. Uh, this is we are free speech protest uh, society because we came from England primarily, not exclusively initially, and we didn't have rights. We could not speak our peace. We were under the tyranny of King George. And so our founding fathers wanted us to have the right to political free speech. And uh, it's so it's uh, evidently they haven't read that part of our history because now they don't they think if you say anything against the um, what do they call it? Democracy. It was an attack on democracy. Yes. As yeah. though, you know, Mitch McConnell and um, Nancy Pelosi and whoever else was in that house on that day, they are democracy. The people outside, oh, not so much. What they think doesn't matter. What matters is democracy happens in the Capitol. No, that's um, democracy's messy, and our Constitution allows people to protest. It also says when any, any form of government becomes uh, destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter and abolish it and to um, to institute new new governments. So we have a, a system of government that allows the people uh, who the Constitution and the all of those things were written for uh, can actually alter their government. They can get rid of Mitch McConnell and, and Donald Trump, and they can get rid of uh, Joe Biden. They can actually mix things up and make some very drastic changes as long as they uh, do it, you know, uh, in, in a constitutional manner. Sandy, it's Fred. Uh, you know, I was looking at a poll yesterday, uh, Associated Press, Nork Center, Public Affairs. You know, uh, pandemic mandates this. Um, it's not resonating with the American people. The American people, what they're concerned about, 
is uh, how much they're paying for food this year compared to a year ago, how much they're paying for gas compared to a year ago. Empty shelves. It is the economy, stupid, as James Carville said uh, back in, what, 92? 92. 92. Uh, So I I think the Democrats are wasting their time. I'm not uh, uh, diminishing the seriousness of what they're trying to do, but I don't think they're going to get it by the American people. No, I don't think so either, Fred. You know, there was a CBS poll, speaking of polls, last week that showed that uh, either a majority or a plurality of Americans across the spectrum of parties uh, believe that January 6th in particular was a protest that got out of hand. Mm. That was the choice they made in the series of choices that they had of what, well, how would you describe that day? Protest that got out of hand. And I, I think, you know, so, and then, so here's another one. You'll love this. I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Brian Stelter had a guest on, can't recall the name, but uh, the guest said, basically, you know what? I'm kind of thinking that we, we pundits, we CNNers are kind of out of touch with the rest of the country. If you go to the, uh, on COVID, if you go to the rest of the country, they're not so, they're not so worried. They're not so masked. They're kind of living their lives. Like, you think we've lost touch? That we're kind of out of touch with where America is? That's what he asked. So, Fred, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to end. The th- problem is the left has all the levers of power. Right. And and the and the right, uh, a few the few that there are, uh, there's millions of us, but they're not in power. We're not in power. Uh, we're governed right now. Uh, the Re- Republican Party is the umbrella for most conservatives, but it's not led by conservatives. And yeah. so we can't, we don't have trusted leaders that we can trust to pull us through this. They cave all the time and they actually are really, they're embarrassed by many of us who are staunch uh, conservatives, by the millions of the people that they fool every election term by talking about how conservative they are. So we are in a really precarious situation. I, I would say I've been doing, uh, I'm doing a special on the upcoming 20, 2022 election on Friday. And there are people around the country that are just energized and building uh, power, I don't hate to use the word power, but power in the right way, coalescing people uh, in various states that, and they're sweeping elections, they're, they're, they're picking candidates uh, they are having a tremendous impact, whether it's through school boards or other entities, uh, and they're in, they're just bypassing the party. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's really our only hope. Sandy Rios has been our guest for this segment. She's director of governmental affairs for AFA. She's also host of Sandy Rios in the Morning, heard weekdays at seven a.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Sandy, as always. We appreciate your insights, the information you pass along. Uh, Our folks love your program in the morning. By the way, folks, you can go. If you miss a program, go to AFR.net and head for the podcast, a little drop-down menu. You can still listen to what uh, Sandy has to say in the morning if you miss any particular program. Thank you, Sandy. You're welcome, Ed. Great to talk to you guys. Talk to you soon. Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same to you. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, any, by the way, anybody have any comments about uh, what Sandy was talking about? Well, I, I think our audience might be interested in that CNN interview mm-hmm. that Sandy just mentioned. The person who was being interviewed, CNN reporter Oliver Darcy, and, and basically, and it, it's shocking to have a CNN reporter talk this way, but he's basically saying the mainstream media 
uh, is is kind of Pravda today. They're they're the mouthpiece of the Democratic Party, but what the mainstream media is focusing on is not resonating with the American people. Cut number ten. A lot of the media does seem, when I look at it and, and then travel the country, to be very out of touch with people. I mean, if you travel the country, people are not really living in the same uh, bubble that it seems that uh, most of the media is messaging toward. And, right. and so, yeah, and, and so I, I, I think this is an issue because if people are tuning out, uh, what's going on in cable news, if we're not messaging toward uh, the general population, um, you know, they're, they're just, you know, ignoring everything and, and living their lives. Uh, and, and we're not really getting the information that they need to them. Well, and so now I've heard the name Oliver Darcy. Who who is he? Just identified as a CNN reporter. Oh, just one of the one of the personalities there. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, that's um, that that's got a sting. Okay, that's Brian Stelter, who is the, yeah. the, the host of the program, uh, because I, I I think we think Ray, you can jump in here if you if you'd like. But if, first of all, it's human nature to uh, think that everyone your your default position is that what what I think is reasonable mm. and you know not many people walk around and think of themselves as always being wrong we tend to think of our and tend to think that people agree with us and sometimes it's a shock to find out that people you know or that you trust or that you love don't agree with you and if you're in a position like sandy was talking about these positions of power um and you know people are always coming up to you at parties and saying oh i love your show and i agree with you then when you find out that the american people have tuned you out mm -hmm. they don't agree with you they don't really care about what you care about and what you're talking about on the program you know your your network 24/7 that's got to be a little bit of a of a shock ray and maybe that's starting to sink in as fred says as people begin to say i don't i don't care about your obsession with what you call this insurrection i want to know why i can't get pickles for my hamburger i can't get chicken and i you know the the shelves are empty and i'm paying 40 percent more for gasoline well if the democrats want to lose in the midterms they should run on january the 6th <laughs> right because it will guarantee they are going to be wiped out in a historical landslide landslide loss because the american people have made up their minds about that uh, a, a lot that happened that day was unfortunate. It was not an insurrection. The country has moved on. We're dealing with the COVID, the pandemic. We're dealing with jobs. We're dealing with inflation. We're dealing with going to the going to the grocery store and finding bare shelves where just last week there was stuff there we thought we could buy. So American people are concerned about a lot of things in January 6th is not on the top of anybody's agenda. And I think the other thing that needs to be said here is the, the, uh, the official narrative about COVID is changing before our very eyes. Yes. yes. What they told us for two years, it's, it's almost like a magic trick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you see it. Now you don't No, We never even really said, we never said vaccines would prevent transmission. Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. That's exactly what you said. And now you're saying the truth. No, they do not prevent transmission. I don't blame people for being skeptical and doubtful. I think there are, I think the Democrats know, at least as of today, look, it's January, long time till November, right. but uh, there's the possibility of a real bloodbath for the Democrats. And I think the sane ones among them, whoever they may be, are realizing that. Yeah. yeah. We've had, what, uh, 26 or 27 as of this morning Democrats 
saying they're not going to run again. Right. I mean, there's. I, I think people are fed up. Tim has said on this program that he thinks <laughs> that the Democrats would welcome a decision from the United States Supreme Court that the mandates aren't constitutional. Right. Because, so they can drop it. Yes. Right. The mandates have got people irritated. Yes. People are not supporting these anymore. I think I said it on the program yesterday or one of the other programs I was hosting. You've got the prospect of heading over the next several months of thousands of people in our military, healthy men and women being thrown out of the military. Right. Because they won't take a shot. You want to go into November with thousands of our soldiers and their families upset with you because you kicked their son or daughter out because they refused to take the shot. And not just kicked their son or daughter out. Everybody knows somebody that's in the military. Oh, sure. So it may not be your son or daughter, but it's your neighbor. It's your cousin who gets kicked out. It's somebody at church, their son or daughter. And that that, that does... Create some bad blood. Yeah, and that's just one of many mandates. You've got the one that says uh, health care workers that work in places that take Medicare and Medicaid funding, they've got to get the shot. That was one of the issues the Supreme Court heard arguments on last week. You got the private sector situation. Then you got the federal contractor mandate that says if you do a a contract with Uncle Sam, you got to have the shot. So uh, there's a lot of people that are going to take a mandate issue with them. But I do think the military one really does resonate because, like you said, everybody has one. Um, everybody knows somebody that's in the yeah. military for sure. I saw something just this morning. I mean, maybe we're going to cover it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But uh, I can't remember where I whether it was during our meeting or I I, I saw it. But uh, uh, this the the uh, promise of a booster that handles Omicron. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I was hearing and reading this morning was that that booster they're now finding gives you about thirty days of uh, help against Omicron, and then after 90 days, it turns negative. Yeah, you actually become more susceptible to getting sick. Yeah, you know, after having that's that's bizarre. Well, and also to add, do, do to I have that, that right? Have you guys heard that? I'm not sure about the 90 days and and negative, but it 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 does. Pfizer is the one coming out with another shot for Omicron. But what's interesting is Pfizer just got approved by the FDA for what has been labeled a COVID pill, which made people question, what's the point of the shot then if I can just get some pills? Why would you come out with the shot on top of coming out with a pill? It was Laura Ingram from last night I was Mm. watching. She had had a doctor on who was talking about that. Uh, So, yeah. So, when when Ray, when you say that that the COVID narrative is changing before our very eyes – You have parents all over this country, if they live in a blue state or in a major blue city, like Chicago, where all all this uh, chaos has erupted because the teachers union, and you have the the teachers union, American Federation of Teachers in places like Massachusetts as well, they're all trying to get uh, virtual learning back in and teachers not wanting. I know that that's been a fluid situation. I think the teachers are supposed to go back in Chicago. But that angers parents, too, mm-hmm. because they're they're saying, what? Why do why are my kids not in school now? What's your reason now? And, they're, and, the, and even liberal parents in blue cities aren't buying this anymore. Yeah. You know, you've got an increasing number of people across the country that might be described this way. They are pro-vaccine. They are anti-masking. They are anti-lockdown. They are anti-mandate. That is to say... Maybe they'll take the vaccine. They're not too worried about that side of it, but they hate the idea of the mandates. They hate the idea 
of the masking, especially these confined places like uh, uh, trains and trains and planes, right? And especially what's happening to our children in the schools. This has been a critical mistake by the government, uh, locking down our kids, shutting down the schools, making everything go virtual. I think the American people have finally said, get your hands off our kids and off our grandkids because you are messing up the future of this country. Which leads me to say, Fred, one thing. I think Tim may be onto something. I think there's kind of a Machiavellian thing going on here that maybe inside the White House they're actually hoping the Supreme Court knocks down the mandate so the economy can get back to work so they hope things will improve by the midterm elections. That's sort of a backwards way to look at it, but it wouldn't surprise me because the Biden administration, name any part, name any part of their whole program where things are going really well right now. I don't think you can name one. If that doesn't change, again, there's going to be a bloodbath in November, and they know it. And, Fred, to uh, the point being made by Ray, uh, in, ter- in terms of backlash to towards the government, and I would add towards the medical co- community because of the back and forth and what appears to be lies or overpromising, all those kinds of things, over the coming years as COVID goes away or becomes just a regular thing like the flu. Like the flu, yeah. Mm-hmm. Over the coming years, we're going to find out more and more about the mistakes that were made, the missteps, the uh, the lies, yeah. the, uh, the, the lack of humility mm-hmm. where they were telling us this is the solution. Then they have to now come back, you know, over the coming years and say, well, maybe we weren't right. That's going to erode confidence further in big government and the medical community and, quote-unquote, science. We're all supposed to follow the science. Well, I remember back when we were going through COVID and, quote-unquote, science said and told us to do, and we did, and it didn't work out the way you said, this is really going to kneecap the authority of science and the medical community too you know i was reading an article in the atlantic yesterday which is not a conservative uh, no it's not media yeah. outlet and the title of the article was vaxxed and done with it mm. uh they're done okay I'll, I'll i'll take the shot yeah uh but now mm-hmm. you're telling me booster now booster three months mask six months still masks, with the masks. and and basically the thrust of the article is people have stopped listening I did the shot thing. I did what you told me to do initially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me that's not enough. This is America. Yeah. This is not Australia. This is not these other socialist-type nations. This is a nation pretty well, and I think this poll from the AP NORC yesterday shows it. Listen, the Democrats know they're in trouble. I think it was in this poll or a re- another recent poll, independents, uh, to get into a political discussion, kind of decide the winner. Right. In this country. It's the independents. You have your dyed-in-the-wool Republicans, your dyed-in-the-wool Democrats. You know, Mickey Mouse runs in either party. They're going to vote for that party. Right. It is the independents. The support for uh, for the Democratic Party amongst independents has dropped to 25%. This, this is the constituency you have to win. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is the constituency that has now turned against the Democratic Party. It is why James Carville several months ago... So we got to get rid of this wokeness, folks. Yes. He's the Democrat strategist. We got to get rid of this wokeness. Liberal left wing talk show hosts, I was one this morning, they're turning against the Democrats. Yeah. 
you the Democratic Party right now, even within their own party, the Joe Mansions, yeah, Christian cinemas, they're turning against their own party. But at and, the same, but at the same time, like Tim is always pointing out, uh, you have this radical wing of the Democratic Party that's not going to let James Carville. Yeah. Pull back on the reins. Sure. Yeah. They're they're in some serious trouble regarding that faction. Yeah. In in the party. Uh, you yeah. know, for the Democratic Party now, it's like a plane that's in a nosedive. Yeah. But you've got AOC in the cockpit saying, "Don't pull up." Right. <laughs> yes. we're, going, we're going the right direction. Right. Here. Yeah. And yeah, the correct. pilot is saying, uh, "I don't think so." Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm not. I would not be surprised if, let's say, the Supreme Court comes down against the vaccine mandates this week or at some point in the future. I guarantee you, AOC or some member of the squad will say, "This is why we need to have more justices on the Supreme yes. Court," and they'll make that an issue. Yeah, yeah. their solution is always going to be even more radical. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and that that is not going to help the Democratic Party veer back towards the middle where we all understand the majority of Americans, rightly or wrongly on this issue or that issue, that's where the majority of people sit. The majority of people want government to do things, right? Mm -hmm. So do things. So I think the majority of Americans, for example, were okay with spending money on infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Then you had the Democrats try to fill infrastructure bill with their progressive wish list yeah and the american people just get frustrated they want to throw up their hands and say listen i'm okay with highways and bridges i'm okay with getting the uh, high-speed internet into rural communities stop messing around with your pet projects and get that done and when they don't they just get frustrated the one issue that brings americans together right now and the polls show it is the economy yes if I'm paying more for stuff, if my family is suffering because of rising prices, I don't want to listen to your climate change right. agenda. Give me your oil. Yes. Yeah. To heat my house. To heat my house and to drive the gas prices down. Yep. Well, that sounds like common sense to me. <laughs> All right, folks, we are going to take a five-minute break for news. When we come back, Steve Jordahl will be here bringing us some of the Uh, additional items, news items that we missed. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Again, five minutes for news, and we will be right back. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.